I hate talking right after like amazing testimonies. He's like, shoot, I'm like I didn't, I didn't use cocaine. I'm just boring Christian. Um, but uh, no, I um, I'm excited to talk tonight. Um, I love love Epic Life. Like coming out of college here, I've had tremendous growth, um, and I've just had such a great time. Met my wife here, uh, and uh, great things have happened to me. Um, and and I think. Like, I'm, I've always wanted to be a part of, like, the Epic Life culture. And as we really have, like, a very specific aim um, in Epic Life. And one of those is translating spiritual truths into practical life. We don't just want to wax spiritual. We actually want to talk about something and have it be something pertinent that can actually change lives. Um, and so being here, um, I've kind of learned that I've got to deal with all the junk that comes up in my life as soon as it comes up. Um, so typically what I do is I write it out and I send it to friends so that I can just like be accountable and have them ask me questions. Bro, are you even working on this? What does this mean? Like, and, and oftentimes I'm, I'm like super hard on myself. So I'll write something out and they'll go, no, this doesn't sound right. Just uh, scrap that one. And I go, all right. Um, but what happens is as you, um, you spend time, you, you, I often start with like good intentions. I want to work on my character so that I'll be, one of the things was I, I was in a relationship and I was pretty much a jerk. So I didn't want, I wanted to be a not jerk. And so I worked on it really hard and I'm happily married. Uh, and so is she. Um, but what happens is um, in the process, yeah, everybody look at Mandy real quick. In the process of uh, working on yourself, you, I ended up like, I ended up fixating like on myself. And what happens, there's actually, you know, start, you start with a good intention, right? I want to prepare myself so I can be this or this or this or be able to share the gospel better. Um, but there's this hidden peril in the back of everything. And, and what I found is that it's perpetually fixating on personal growth. If you get to that point where everything is about, I just want to grow from this. Like, I mean, yes, it's good. And yes, we preach that quite a bit. But if that's like your, your only speed is working on yourself, you end up with two really crappy issues. One is which, one of which is you are super self-focused or self-centered. And I know non-Christians who have said, man, Christians, they're just like all about themselves sometimes. And I, so, and I've struggled with this where, you know, I start with this intention on growing and I end up being like, just the world revolves around me. Um, and the second thing, and the thing I really want to talk tonight about is the fact that um, it also, in, in addition to like this self-focused mentality, you end up being um, kind of waiting always. Um, you, you, it leads to Christian inaction where you think like, oh, well, once I get this thing figured out, then I'm going to change the world. Um, and it's just kind of a crappy place to live. So I, I want to talk about this tonight and really drill into that, uh, the thing that causes inaction um, in the body and just how we can kind of avoid that. Um, so I'm going to give two short facts of Sean. I don't refer to myself in the third person, but it's kind of fun. You should try it. Um, first of, first is I love like the, perf the idea of the perfect week. Um, I start off like literally, uh, like every Monday I'm like, this is going to be a great week. Uh, Sunday I do my laundry, cook my food. Mandy and I cook like 31 meals on Sunday. So we're like sick of our food. Really, but um, we like we have this intent on like uh, I, I think I'm gonna eat only chicken and veggies this week, 
and I'm going to lose five pounds. And like, I have this like, this is going to be the perfect week. And if, if January 1 is a Monday, it's like game over. This is going to be the perfect year. Like I'm going to be just start. And I don't know if it's just me, but like, I, I always like love, like I, I looked on the, uh, on the calendar, like when it's coming up. Um, but really, um, that's stupid because I'm not perfect and there's no such thing as the perfect week. And uh, typically what happens is I start down the path of the perfect week, right? Monday, perfect. Like, I'm Jesus. Tuesday, uh, I, and I'm not, heresy. Um, but Tuesday, I'll do really well, right? I'll eat chicken and veggies and I'll do this. And then like in the evening, I'll get home and eat like an entire bag of chips and salsa. Like, and then I like total it up and it's like 3,000 calories even though it says low fat. Um, and so I'm like, man, like, all right, well, today's burned. I'll start over tomorrow. And if it's like a Thursday, it's like, well, the week's over. I'll start on Monday. And, and then I like blow up the weekend. Like it's just, I mean, two bags of chips and salsa. But what I found is that um, I found that like, if you, like with shame and with all of this, like it, it's an onslaught really. Every time you do something you don't mean to do, um, it's, if the longer you wait and like sit in the shame, the more the enemy kind of gets out of that time. So for within shame, I know like, all right, let's snap back. Like I'm a son of the living God. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Identity, identity, Jesus loves me. And then I just kind of step out of the shame. But with this like perfect week stuff, like, dude, I've been trying, dude. I'm referring to one person. Uh, this perfect week thing has been going on for like five years, no, all of my life. And yeah, pretty much. Um, and so my wife printed these out back to back. Now I'm gonna like lose complete order. Um, but the perfect week is, yeah, side note. Um, the perfect week for me is actually just perfectionism. It's performance. Um, and it, it seems like it's just a, like a non-spiritual thing, but it's actually intensely spiritual because I do this perfect week thing with like everything. Like or I also go with God. Okay, this week I will read my Bible and I will pray. I will pray 15 minutes and I will read. And then you get to the end of the week and you're like, man, I read on Monday, I read on Wednesday. And I, you know, you're like going through the boxes you checked and then at the end of the week you're like, well, that was a crappy week. I'll try again next week. And at the same time, he's saying, I want you to do this. I have this for you. You know, speaking of this person's life, get ready for this talk. Do this thing. And then I'm thinking, well, first I need to get like a good, a, a couple of perfect weeks under my belt before I can do anything for you. Um, and so for me, and maybe for you, uh, the perfect week is perfectionism. It's performance. It's, it's the root of Christian inaction. But there are, there's, it's, it's more than that. Um, it, it manifests itself in other ways. Right, so point one, there's no such thing as a perfect week. Point two, um, I weighed 215 pounds, um, and I had been thinking, okay, I will lose weight, and when I lose weight, then I'm gonna buy uh, new jeans. And like two years later, my jeans are all old, and I still weigh 215 pounds. <laughs> and, and I'm like trying, I want jeans, like now I need jeans, and I like refuse to buy them because like, as soon as I buy jeans, I'm gonna drop to 180, and they're not gonna fit. And, and so, that's stupid. So I, one day I was like, that's stupid, and I went, and I bought like five pairs of jeans, all like the biggest jeans I've ever bought in my life. And a crazy thing happened. I started losing weight. But no, but it's not uh, because, it's just not happenstance. Like, I started putting on my jeans, 
And I wouldn't like look at myself and be like, ugh, I barely fit in these things. Like I put them on and go like, man, like I have room in these. And I like the, the self-loathing bit just kind of like dropped off. And I think spiritually, like we have this sense of like, well, I, I'm, I just need to get these things done and then I will be able to do these things. And in reality, that's like one of the most insidious lies in our lives, right? You have like obvious lies, like, you know, Christ died for everyone except for you. And you're like, well, no. Um, but then you have this lie where it's like, well, if you can just get a few of these things in order, you know, then you'll be able to do something. Um, so yeah, point number two is go buy jeans. Um, but really more, more spiritually, um, there's a level of acceptance of your identity and who you are that you need to come to before you can actually produce change in yourself and other people. Um, but there's, 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 a, there's a pattern, right? These aren't just random stories um, that I'm trying to tell you to get you to laugh or something. If I was trying to get you to laugh, I would have pointed at Mandy when she was cramping in the back during the worship service. You guys can't fake that. <laughs> But no, in reality, like there's a, there's a pattern. There's a pattern um, behind all of this stuff. And there's, there's this sense of like a point of arrival. Um, if I can just arrive, then I will do this thing. Um, I was, I, one of my favorite friends, or a good friend of my favorite friends, it's a weird way of saying it, but I have a good friend, um, Daniel Kim, he's a lawyer. I write out what I think and I send it to him and he lawyers me. Like he, he looks at it and he goes, no, this argument, what you're actually saying is not what you mean. This is what's actually behind that. And I'm like, oh, snap. I got Christian lawyered. And, it's, and so this last time, right, I send him this thing and I, and I say like, these are a bunch of things that I feel like have been warring against my peace. And I tell him like, this is my plan to get rid of the first one. And this is what I'm going to do to get rid of the second one. Um, and he goes, bro, if you, and obviously it's lawyer speak, so it's like way more intelligent than this. But he says, if you spend all of your trying to, time trying to eliminate um, these things that are robbing you of your peace, quote unquote, you, what are you going to end up with at the end? He's like, well, I'll have peace. He's like, no. He's like, oh, that makes total sense. And I, the opposite of bad is just not bad. It's not necessarily good. And for... Uh, for like peace, I mean, I can spend my entire life trying to get rid of all these things that uh, so-called rob me of my peace, but in reality, like, the only peace I'm going to find, lasting peace, is in the clarity of what God has done for me, who he says I am, my identity, his love. I mean, my peace is purchased. It cannot be earned. Um, and so I wrote this to him. I have to, like, send him a note back with my, like, final answer, and then he gives me the Christian uh, lawyer, a stamp of approval. So I wrote, to attack peace-robbing agents like sin, shame, or competing desires is a poor plan. The opposite of bad is simply not bad, it's, but it's not necessarily good. So when I find myself battling the same old lies, paradigms, issues, patterns, the first lie that needs to be dealt with is this. If I just work these things out, then I would be fine. False. I'm trying to establish my own peace rather than rest in his, and it is striving disguised as personal development. The, goals of abolishing these issues, the goal of abolishing these issues is at its core a belief that there is a point of arrival to be experienced, but it will remain afar off as long as I attempt to grab it. 
And I guess one of the things I really want to get to tonight, and um, normally when I speak, it's like all Bible verses, and it just completely overwhelms the truth of what I'm trying to say. Um, but this is biblical. Um, there is one arrival, and it is heaven or hell. And there's nothing else you're going to be, be able to arrive at. Like you will, the, the, the goal will always remain like the next step. It's like trying to satisfy your wants. You just, you buy something and you like it for a while, but suddenly you realize like something just cropped into the bottom of the want list. And that list never really gets short. And for um, really any goal, like, you know, I've always thought, well, if I could just hit 180, then I'll be good and I won't have to think. Like I'll put dieting and exercise like completely off the list. But you, you hit 180 and you're like, well, that guy's got better abs than me. Now I have to get abs. Like, shoot. But so, I mean, what I really want to get to is just this, that we have to stop aiming for that perfect week. We have to buy some jeans and we have to stop aiming for a rival. Like, you are good enough right now to make the difference that you need to make. And even, so um, that last hymn, I asked uh, Aaron to play. First off, because I love it. And as soon as I started playing it, everybody sat down and passed out. And you get this sense of rest. Like, that's what old hymns do. It's amazing. Um, but also because um, it's not biblical. Because um, it says, Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. I know, I'm not going to sing it. Uh, for when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. Oh, Lord, please light the fire that once burned bright and clean and replace the lamp of my first love that burns with holy fear. And then it says, I want to take your word and shine it all around, but first help me, Lord, uh, to just live it. And, and uh, there's so many times. Yeah. Um, there's so many times that... I have actually lived this. Like, I've sung this song for the longest time, and there's actually, like, a massive danger in getting your theology from worship songs. Like, you, the whole point of, like, reading the Bible is so that when you read something that's not right, the Holy Spirit goes, no, that's not right. Like, he, he lean it. <laughs> I mean, that's not the whole point, but that's a good point. And for many of us, and f including me, like, I stopped, I love this song. I'll sing the beginning all day long. But when I get to that, bottom, that part, I, I just completely, I don't ever sing it. Because for so long, this has been my mentality. If I could just, I, like, I want to I take your word and shine it all around. That's great. But first, Lord, first help me just to live it. Is basically saying, but first let me work on other stuff. Like, but first let me focus on myself. But first something. But basically putting off that shining of the word. And again, this is not just me. This is everyone, right? This is just a, this is a song version of arrival. It's that sense of like, if I can get this thing, then I will be able to arrive. And so I really, I feel like we need to be freed from this endless struggle to arrive and just, in which is just striving and earning anyway. Um, so if, if the whole point of this is not to arrive, if there's no point in constantly like fixating on I'm going to fix myself I'm going to fix myself like if the truth is that you are able to make change now well what are we going to do and I feel like at Epic Life for the longest time we've been going through all of these amazing sermons we've been going through uh, patterns lies 
identity, time management, like a lot of like amazing stuff that all produces amazing fruit and change in our lives. But we want to keep away, we don't want to become that ministry that is just always focused on like, how am I going to fix myself and make myself and not have that outward focus. Uh, Dennis, or what is, yeah, Dennis, what's his last name? Karaluk. He just got engaged. He's like the greatest man of all time. Yeah, good times. But he, uh, he's only been Christian for like two or three years. When you talk to him, he like, he, all, he's just like so passionate about the Lord. Like all he wants to do is share. Like you talk to him about like, what have you been learning lately? And he's not like, well, these are the things that I'm trying to fix in my life. He's like, well, I was out sharing the gospel with the homeless and this and this happened. You're like, oh, dude, you're better than me. <laughs> but I mean, I feel like, like if this was our heartbeat, if, if Dennis was like our heartbeat, like it would be amazing. You would end up with all of the fruit, all of the growth, all the personal change, but with none of the self-focused uh, lifestyle, which I love. Like, I love talking to Dennis. I, like, so badly want him to rub off on me. And if you've noticed, like, um, the only, I, I talk rare enough that usually when I talk, I'm not really preaching to you guys. Like, I just say the stuff that I know needs change in my life. And I hope that, like, I'm relatable. And so, like, therefore, you guys will get something out of it, too. But, like, this is something I so want um, to be a part of all of our lives is just a community that is exceptionally outward focused. I mean, you look at the Acts Church, right? One of, the, one of the greatest things about the Acts Church was that they all sold everything they had and they were giving and just they were living together with just tremendous harmony. Sounds amazing. And I feel like we, we are just right on the cusp of that because there are so many whole people. There are so many people who truly believe in the identity that they've been given. I mean, truly believe in what Christ has done. As we preach the word, you believe the word and it changes your life. And so we want to, I feel like we should be kind of turning outward as we grow. Um, and so, uh, I mean, what, my question is, what's our ministry? Um, most people, they hear the word ministry and they think like ministry equals church. Like ministry equals Eric Knopf, worship team, guy in the back, like, and very specific. But, and, it, and what that means is that nobody, like, like they've got it covered. Like ministry's done. But in reality, like there's ministry everywhere. I, I was thinking about it this week and even just a cursory glance, um, ministry doesn't have to be super holy. It just has to be people-focused. Um, my wife's having a rough time at work, like super rough. So my ministry at home, I do the dishes, I plan the weekends, clean the house. I'm the stay-at-home dad with no children. I mean, and I have a job, so I'm not stay-at-home. But uh, I mean, I, I think about like what I do is really important, like and the way that I listen and the way that I have energy. And, you know, so I'm doing these things. Um, for my wife, my job is great, but the people are oppressed and broken. Like, they're negative Nancys. Everyone has something bad to say about something. The lady that sits across from me, like, oh, so negative. And so, I mean, for me, uh, my ministry is the opposite. Like, I want to be, not, I don't just want to be a Christian who's different, right? I'm not going to stand far from them and have, them have this sense of, like, he's better than us because he doesn't, you know, sit with us at lunch and complain. But instead, like, I am the most positive person of all time uh, at work. They talk about their kids, and they're, like, so disappointed with them. I'm like, I can't wait to have kids. They're going to be gorgeous. 
They talk about their marriages, and they're like, it's the worst thing. Don't get married. I'm like, dude, I'm married. Oh, too late. It's like, and I tell them, like, no, marriage is great. And I tell them all about marriage, and I tell them all about what we're, it's negativity, negativity. And so I'm relentlessly positive. My community, like Epic Life, we all have a specific role. There are some people who are exceedingly outgoing. That's great. But there are also people who have, they fill all of these different roles. And you don't necessarily have to be Pastor Eric, who's not a pastor. You just have to, yeah. <laughs> you just have to be like, you have to know, like ask the Holy Spirit, like what, what is my role? I, I don't really like my role in Epic Life. Uh, not to say, not to be weird or anything. But like, I feel like my role is stability, right? I feel like just being here, I don't need to speak. I don't need to teach. I don't need to be on stage. I don't need to be on the prayer team. I do these things occasionally, but I'm, I'm stability here. Like if someone has an issue, they can talk to me. If someone is down, I can tell them the truth. If someone just wants to hang out, like I'll hang out. Like I, I, and if there's someone doesn't understand the Bible, like I can explain stuff. I just want to be that place of stability. And Waterbury would tell me every week, like, not every week, every Tuesday, like, you know, you do something at Epic Life that you don't understand. And I, I don't like that because I want to be able to understand it and define it. And I, yeah, and measure it and then compare it against other people. So, I mean, we each in our family, in our work, in our community, we have a ministry and it doesn't have to be super holy, but it does have to be, you have to ask the Holy Spirit, like, what is my ministry? And actually spend some time. I mean, we are now, you, you enter January 1, right? Uh, if it's a Monday, awesome. Um, and what happens is you go, these are the things I'm going to do. And these are the benchmarks that I'm going to try and hit. And you're very like, most people are very driven for some point of time. Um, now we're entering, we entered the, three days ago, the second half of the year. You can actually take a minute and go like, all those personal things that I wanted to make better about myself, like did I do any of those things? And actually, why don't you enter the second half of the year with this, just, just drive for ministry, for impacting people, for not trying to like fix yourself so that you can do something. I feel like it's a slap in Christ's face to say like, I'm perfect, I get that, uh, but I'm gonna fix myself first. Like it just doesn't really, or this sense of like, you know, I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Well, until I understand what those are, I can't really do anything with them. Well, just, just start doing stuff and see what God's going to do. I think in Ephesians it says, um, we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's nothing in that verse about um, your current place of uh, perfection. It just is saying, you are his workmanship, created for good works, he prepared beforehand, you do them. Like, there's, there's no sense of like, if, you know, you're his workmanship, but until you get to point B, then you can do C. Um, my brothers, another uh, source of uh, ministry, um, and God knows what else I'm supposed to be doing, but I've, I, I have this drive for this, for this next, like, second half of the year to be in ministry in some way. And I don't mean uh, become a pastor, go to uh, missionary school, or, you know, just completely change anything. I'm going to be me. I'm going to go to the same job. I'm going to have the same wife. I'm going to have the same brothers. But I'm going to live differently because I'm going to get up in the morning with a, like a mindset. Um, and it's not going to be 
how can I make myself better? It's going to be like, who is my ministry? What am I supposed to be doing? Um, a long time ago, I spoke at Epic Life, and I, I talked about 2 Corinthians 5.16. I think it's the, and it was really the topic was um, ministers of reconciliation. Cool. And I think that it's still an, a very pertinent topic for today. And I don't want to like completely give that sermon, but it, all of our sermons are up at Epic Life. So if you feel like touched and you want to just like learn a little bit more about what it looks like to be in ministry but not be a minister, uh, like go back and look it up online. But I do want to read this and just say a few things. Um, therefore, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And, and here is like really like, uh, let's say you in the morning, uh, or even right now, you go before God and you're like, what's my ministry? And you just don't hear anything. Like there are, there are times when things are just a bit quiet. It doesn't mean God doesn't exist. It doesn't mean he's disinterested. It just means that you may be in a season of just rest. But you have a ministry and it, it's stated in the Bible um, you have the ministry of reconciliation. It's God reconciled us to Christ. Reconciled means brought close, basically. So you've been reconciled to God through Christ, right? What Christ has done has given you open access to God. All your, your job is to be a minister of reconciliation, is to do that same thing that Jesus did. I mean, when you, you watch Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you, you look at his life, uh, he has no agenda. Like, he looks like he's just wandering around and talking to people. But that was really his agenda, right? I'm close to the Father. I only hear what the Father says. I only do what the Father does. And, and he was entirely focused on people. And it's like, well, if we live a life focused on people instead of ourselves, we're ministers. And it says we've been given the word of reconciliation, which means that um, you really don't need to be a biblical, astute Superman. All you need to know is that Jesus loves you and share your testimony. The word of reconciliation is the testimony of Christ. It's what he's done in your life. So when someone asks me about Christ, I usually just start telling them about what he's done for me. And then I tell them the story about who Christ is. And it's, the Bible says, always be ready to give a, give a, what was it? Give an account of what God has done. So or give an account of the hope that is in you. So, I mean, we just walk in a place of hope and then just share it when someone asks, well, you know, why don't you drink? Or why are you so positive when everybody is so negative in this cubicle? Well, I'll tell you why. <laughs> and then verse 20, it says we are ambassadors for Christ. That, I mean, each one of these things, if you don't feel like you know what your ministry is, just spend some time meditating on what does it look like to be a minister of reconciliation, to have the word of reconciliation, and to be an ambassador of Christ. Right? Just think about those things. Ask the Holy Spirit, what does this look like? How can I do this?
And so for me, this isn't the verse that when I read this, I think, this is my life's calling. I do feel like this is huge for me, but there is a verse that's so specifically Sean that it might as well just say Sean Lawrence at the top and then right at the end be like, it's Sean Lawrence again. Like, it's very, very specifically to me. Um, and you know, remember Havila? She's the lady who comes here, speaks amazing. Um, whenever she comes, she's like so right on with her ability to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying and just speak it out that uh, like, I just, I, last time she came, I sat in red, I wore red and sat on the edge. So it was like, I want this woman to hear God and tell me what he says, word for word. And, and, and seriously, like, everybody gets one, right? But I've gotten, like, three. Like, sh she loves me. She doesn't know it. She loves me. And, and what she, she came around, and she started to say this Bible verse. And I was like, that's a Bible verse. I'm going to look it up. And I went, and it's like, dear Sean. You know, it's amazing. So, <laughs> so it's 1 Timothy 4.12. Um, Let no one despise your youth. That's all she said. I was like, oh, yeah. But then it says, be an example to the believers in word, conduct, love, spirit, faith, and purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, exhortation, and teaching. Um, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by the prophecy with the laying on of hands of eldership. But meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for, doing so, for in doing so you will save both those and those both yourself and those who hear you. It's like every time I have the sense of like, what am I doing in life? I have like a quarter life crisis. God just says, well, go read that thing I said. Like, and I read it, I'm like, oh yeah, I should just do some of that. But the cool thing is it says, give yourself entirely to them. And it's like, I'll do that for a time, but then I'll like kind of fade back into my own life. And then it says, and take heed to yourself and the doctrine, continue in them for doing so you will save both yourself and those who hear you. It's like, well, that means I have an audience. I have people who are listening to me. And if I do these things, I'll have something to say of value. I'm not just going to like spill out my own drama. Like I'll actually be able to share the word of God. So I, I, usually I go back to this and I just think about like, this is the, the place where I go and I like ask God, like, how can I do this better? But I had this revelation and it was kind of difficult for me to take. Um, I hate when I'm inconsistent, like hate it hate it. Um, but, you know, as I'm preparing for this talk, um, and I do this every time I prepare to speak, um, I change, like entirely. Um, and it's not because I'm trying to impress you guys. Like, I honestly don't care what you guys think. Uh, I, 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 I honestly believe that, um, well, the Bible says that the teachers of the world will be judged, like more in line with what they say. So I'm like deathly afraid that I'm going to say something that's wrong, inconsistent, or, um, or to speak on God's behalf but not have his blessing. Like I, I so want to be uh, like covered in his anointing and speak so that uh, it's not just words that, you know, people go, good word, Sean, and that's it. Like I want, I literally want my life to help other people change. Um, so when it's time for me to speak, um, I carry, I do all these things that I realize I don't do all the time. I carry a piece of paper everywhere I go for like a week. And I, just in case God wants to tell me something. Because there's that sense of like, I'm speaking, so I want to be ready for the revelation that comes. So I go around with a piece of paper. And, and then I, I'm at work. 
I, I go for prayer walks around my building. And every, like, two hours, I, like, pull away from what I'm doing, and I go, all right, Holy Spirit, like, you still there? Good. And I, like, I check in with the Holy Spirit. Um, and I prioritize my day entirely. Like, someone will, on two, like, on Monday, they're like, well, you want to hang on? I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I got so much, I need to just spend some time with the Lord. I want to hear what he has to say. Um, and and I, I spend a lot of time asking God for his anointing. Like, instead of, like, usually you'd think that someone would write out their talk and then read it and talk about it over and over again until they get, like, good at talking about it. Like, I hate my voice. So I don't ever speak through my talk. I, instead, I spend the entire time asking for God's anointing and revelation and peace and that I would operate. And I truly feel like uh, you, I can't do anything outside of his, like, empowerment. It's not, I'm not going to be able to, like, do anything. So, and that, I feel like that's an awesome place to live out of. Like, and and the, the last thing I notice is that temptation will come um, and I will go, I, will, I would just be so staunch in my like, no. It's like, no, I would never do that. Like, why would I ever do that? I cannot do anything that would jeopardize his anointing. I cannot do anything that would jeopardize his presence, that would introduce shame and would quiet the voice of the Holy Spirit. I, I cannot do any, and, and so there's like this just sense of like urgency and, and like impact for every decision I make. And so we're, we're I mean, I'm talking about this, this sense of like, where are we living out of, right? That I don't want to just always be me focused and I don't, all, I, I want to like live purposefully towards a ministry. And if I'm honest, um, that's who I should be all the time, right? If my calling is to give attention to reading, exhortation, and teach, and give myself entirely to these things, that's who I should be every day. But I don't do that. And I think it's because I don't live, I'm not as, I'm not as focused as I think I am. And I think that we do that, right? So someone will say, this is your ministry, and you go, that's great. I'll do that on Thursday when people show up. And it's like, well, no, there's a whole bunch of stuff you need to do with your, your life. Um, and if you truly want to live from a ministry perspective, like you literally have to every morning go, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. So as the worship team comes back up, I just have a few questions um, for you guys. And not as much for you as for you to ask the Holy Spirit. Um, every time I read the Bible, I try to come up with something that I can ask the Holy Spirit about. Uh, and every time I listen to a talk, I try to think about, well, how does this apply to me? And so, I mean, I, it would be amazing if during worship or during this prayer time, right, we all have these amazing times of soaking. Ask the Holy Spirit, what is my ministry? Ask him, what are areas of my life that I've been striving for arrival in that really have just been keeping me from moving forward? Ask him, this is a fun one, ask him, am I good enough? Or even, what do you think of me? And the great thing is if you hear anything, any accusation, any negativity, I mean, if you think, you ask God, what do you think of me? And God says, well, I really think you need to correct your porn life. It's like, well... No, that's not really what he thinks of you. That's what Satan thinks of you. So silence the Holy Spirit again and ask God, what do you think of me? Because when we get to that place of surety and confidence in our identity in Christ, what he has done, the finished work of the cross, all of these things, there's just a peace to pursue ministry that isn't there. 
And really, and the last thing I want to ask you to ask is, in this second half of the year, who or what would you want me to focus on? And, and actually try to listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't just think, all right, I'm going to renew my weight goals. Like, that, that's not what we want to do. And really, I want to end with this statement and, um, and actually read a, a quick thing. But if you get nothing out of this talk, you are good enough to make a difference right now. You are the best version of yourself that has ever been. So you must live purposefully. And so um, this last thing I'm going to read is something Waterbury gave to me. Um, it's something that we're going to have next week in the back. Um, and you should look for it because I've, I've, it's basically a whole bunch of Bible verses um, arranged in an order that makes it seem as if God is just writing a letter to you. These are all truths, but they're just pulled out in such a way that you can read them easily. I've been reading it every day, and uh, the first time I bawled my eyes through it. The second time, I got a little whimpery. The third time, I was pretty stable. And the fourth time, I went, yes, and I went back to work. But really, what, what that means is, I didn't really believe it. I started to believe it. I'm getting there. Like, and we need to get to the place where this actually sounds like fact. Um, so I'm going to read this, and then we're going to go back into worship and do uh, water break and close us. But um, close your eyes. Just rest a minute. Uh, and know that this is not just New Testament Jesus, right? This is God throughout the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. He doesn't change. You may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up, I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered, for you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being, for you are my offspring. I knew you before you were ever conceived, and I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake, for all the days, all of your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and I knit you together in your mother's womb. And I brought you forth on the day that you were born, and, I, and although I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me, I am not distant, I am not angry, and I am a complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, and I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all of your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are as countless as the sand on the seashore and I rejoice over you with singing and I will never stop doing good to you for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want you to show you great and marvelous things. If you will seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, with all, delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am the greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you, and as a shepherd, carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day I will wipe away every tear from your eyes and I will take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your father and I love you, even as I love my son Jesus. For in Jesus my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. 
He came to demonstrate that I am for you and not against you and to tell you that I'm not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you, so that I could, you and I could be reconciled and his death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. And if you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Love your dad, almighty God. Not a single word of that was my addition. It was exactly word for word what God says in the Bible. And I think if we truly live from that place, worship from that place, walk our lives from that place, we'll spend less time trying to arrive, less time trying to fix, less time trying to perfect, and we'll spend more time trying to share that love through a life of ministry. So that's all I got. Shall we go back and worship? Yeah.